Friends, today we celebrate the feast of the presentation of our Lord in the temple, a feast also known as Candlemas, because today is customarily the day for us to bless our candles. It's the candle mass. In our celebration of Jesus being presented in God's holy temple 40 days after his birth, and the tradition of our blessing candles, recalls the light that has broke into the world on that first Christmas morning and the light that will flood the dark, cold tomb at Easter. So today is a hinge Sunday. We leave behind the Christmas merriments that mark the nativity of our Lord, even if they did look different this year. And now we begin to look ahead to his passion, death, and resurrection. And we do this with a fervent hope that our world may also rise up from the scourge of this death-dealing disease. Our candles in this church and in our homes are lit with the awareness that God has entered into our world and set it on fire with love and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and his spirit, the spirit of Jesus, his fierce love has been poured into our hearts so that we might spread the light of Christ. I came to bring fire to the earth and how I wish it were already kindled, says our incarnate God. Friends, we gather each week on Sunday to declare that God's marvelous light has broken into our world in Jesus and that the darkness cannot eclipse the power of God. We gather to proclaim that the victory over all of the dark forces that would separate us from God, that victory is certain. Easter is game over. Crucified love, transfiguring light, triumph in the end. But until the waters cover the sea and the earth is full of the knowledge of God, the forces of darkness prowl around like a lion. The forces that separate us from God's outstretched love infect the human heart and crush the poor. And it is only Christ's redemptive light, his spirit poured into our spirit, that sets us free to courageously do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So on this feast, of Candlemas, we set before us the world's true light, and we gather to pledge our allegiance to him, to cast away the works of darkness, and boldly commit ourselves to walking as children of the light. And it all started on this day 2,000 years ago, when two saints of God, Anna and Simeon, were keeping vigil in the great temple in Jerusalem. They were longing for the consolation of Israel, hoping for God's Messiah to arrive on the scene, to lift up the poor and needy, to fill their nation with righteousness and justice, to accomplish the promise that God's people would shine as a light to all the nations of the earth. Anna, 
Daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher was 84 years old, widowed decades early, earlier after only seven years of marriage to her beloved. She knew about the darkness and the loneliness of grief. In her husband's death, she'd felt cheated of the life she'd expected. But over time, her path of longing for her husband slowly changed. Not that she did not still long for him, but it expanded into a longing for the one who is the source of our longing and our desire, the one who fashioned love, who added sinew to limb and poured lifeblood in our veins, who breathed his spirit in us and raised us out of dust, who gave us to each other and showed us love. Anna discovered a deeper longing. She realized that her heart was restless until it could find rest in God. And this restlessness set her on a path to Jerusalem, to the temple. And if you went to the temple at any time of day or night, there she was praying, fasting, longing for God to rescue the world with his transfiguring light, with God's redemptive love. In his book, Walking Backwards to Christmas, the Archbishop of York, Stephen Cottrell, imagines Anna speaking to us. He writes, The temple is where I dwell, where I have been dwelling many years. Here in its darkness, in its comforting shadow, which I believe is the shadow of something greater than all the greatness of the world. This is the place where one day a greater light will dawn. That has been the focus of my longing, a new light. Each new dawn is a presage of that light. I do the same each day. I find the exact place in the temple where the first rays of the rising sun will suddenly flood its dark interior, and I wait there. For when the sun has made its steady progress around the globe, I know there will be a particular moment when a single beam of bright morning sunlight shafts from a high, solitary window in the east wall and crafts a narrow, illuminating passage of light down the center of the temple's spaciousness. I love that moment. I wait for it each day. I plan for it. I am meticulous. In this light each day, I have waited for another light and learned to love it more. I have dwelt in the pitch darkness of the temple's night. There have been nights when I could feel the building itself crying out for something greater, for the something it had been made for. And on this great day of the presentation of Jesus in the temple, the world turns on a hinge as God's light enters in. It's a pair of holy people, Anna and Simeon, elderly, eccentric, poor, God's beloved, who could see it happening. These are the ones, the pure in heart, who had eyes to see the marvelous light of God radiating from this 
holy family who've journeyed from out of town. It's Mary and Joseph have brought their child into the temple with a simple pigeon offering of the poor. And it is Anna and Simeon who see the glory of God. They can see the transfiguring light of Christ. And as Simeon holds the weight of divine glory in his arms, he knows the costly truth of Jesus. He says to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon, pure in heart, has seen too much in this old world of injustice and greed to think that the story of Jesus is going to be mom and apple pie. Around this child, this embodiment of God's redemptive love and transfiguring light, people will rise and fall, revealing their inner convictions. And Mary will see her boy tortured and murdered by the arrogant and prideful. The darkness prowls. A sword will pierce her soul. This is a hinge Sunday. As the joyful songs of Christmas cheer now shift to the costly way of the cross. And our Lenten journey will soon put the cross before us. And if we take it seriously, our inner thoughts will be revealed. We'll discover many things that separate us from God. Obstacles that will need to be torn down in our lives and in the life of the world. We'll need the fiery love of Jesus Christ to do the work of purification. If his light, his transfiguring light, is to come through in our day. The truth is that we are always gathered on a hinge Sunday because Christ is the hinge. Around him, all things turn. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And when he took on our flesh and dwelt among us, the darkness seemed to win as he was pinned to a tree on Calvary. The darkness still grips us, divides us, wears us down. Evil still shrieks. Countless people are cut dead, but still alive. But the sword that pierces Mary's soul is not the end. The fiery love of Jesus is the end. In Christ, we stand at the hinge of the old world, heedlessly stumbling in darkness, and the fresh, fragrant, sunlit morning of the kingdom. It's at our baptism that we hear the words, receive this candle and be as the light of Christ in the world. And by the never-failing riches of our Savior's grace, let it be our prayer that we find the courage to walk as children of this light. For with blessed Anna and Simeon, our eyes have seen God's salvation.
the world has turned on its hinge. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.